Welcome to the other half of FIFO Life podcast. Join me on this awesome journey as we explore what FIFO Life looks like for the partners and families at home. In this positive space, no topics are off limits as we chat to experts in their field as well as the average person living their best other half of FIFO Life. Thank you very much, Rachel and Mike, for joining us today. I'm really, really excited about chatting to you guys because most of our listeners are FIFO partners. So we are at home on our own quite a lot of the time and dealing with some of the things that you're going to talk about all on our own. And it can be really scary when you haven't prepared at all. But I'm going to throw it over to you guys and just get if you could um, introduce yourself, a little bit about your journey and why you're joining us here today. If you, Yeah, well, thank you so much, Natalie, for having us on your podcast. It's very exciting pioneering for us as well. And um, so I'm Rachel and this is Mike and we've been married for 23 years. Almost 24 years next month. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we refer to ourselves and our family as Team Davey. And, um, and and so that's who we are. And um, Mike's been a fireman for all of that time. I married a fireman. My bridal car was a fire truck. My bouquet matched the truck. And, um, and I loved it. And I still love it, you know. And so, yeah, but Mike's been a fireman all those times. So just share that. Sure. That. Oh, so, um, so I, I was a firefighter. Up until the end of last year, I was a town firefighter. So... Um, yeah, so about uh, about 25 years uh, as a firefighter. So um, interesting uh, for me with you with your FIFO um, lovely um, wives and partners is I used to do the exact thing on a short term for Rachel. So um, I was an encore firefighter. So basically um, my pager went off and I had to go. And so what that looks like is I don't go for 14 days or seven days or a month. I would go for like half an hour to 12 hours to two days. Um, I would just throw the keys and my wallet to Rachel and I'm like, here, have this, I've got to go. And I never knew where, what I was going to. So Rachel um, has got like speed dating version of what you do. Um, yeah, and I went out to be I the hero. And she, yeah, and she had to do all the hard stuff while I was away. So, Absolutely. And, did, you ever, um, did you ever use that to your advantage? Oh, I don't want to deal with this. Oh, look, Pager, I'm out. <laughs> With my in-laws and that, not, not that I never own up to. <laughs> yeah, well done, well done, smart man. And that would be challenging um, at times, not like with FIFO, yes, there's some people that work construction, so they get a phone call and they could be gone for a long period of time, but yeah. also the element of your job that could be dangerous. Was that an interesting thing to manage? Well, you know, the, when Mike ran out the door, it was because there was some disaster, trauma or something happening. And there were many times when my kids were similar to your age kids, Natalie, and um, we'd be huddled in the bed and the thunderstorms would be going and it would be just like awful. And there was just always this one nursing home. Whenever there was thunderstorms and lightning, it set the alarms off. All the firemen had to go. And I'm like, no, stay here with me. It was like, because the disaster is actually happening right now and, the, and he runs out. So we're just, what we're trying to prepare people to do is to prepare you in case it comes. But 
he would run away when it was actually happening. And so, so, you, so you have to do what we say, not what we do. <laughs> yes. But I imagine that because of that, you can very much relate to the listeners in the fact that, you know, Mike, you had to have your home prepared because you weren't going to be there to yes. to deal with it if, if it ever came to your door. Yeah. That, and, yeah. And, you know, you asked about the day danger element for him and you know what I used to find out about the jobs and what he was doing and look there was times when um like he'll say oh I nearly fell through the roof while we're fighting the fire from the top and and I got to the point where I don't want to know I just want to know you can time and uh so I I sort of after 20 23 years doing this you know you, you don't want all the details and then the last big Fires a couple of years ago up this way, there was actually a television crew videoing him that went on the news that he just about stepped through a door frame and as he did, the whole roof, the whole house fell behind the door. And I'm like, oh, now that's recorded. I don't need to see that, you know. So um especially as as he, he has- got so many years that he's safe, you're like, come on. Yeah, that's right. So- <laughs> Um, yeah, so there was that, and it's a, it's a terrible thing, but I think I almost got immune to it because he always did come home, you know, yeah. and I, I'm yeah. blessed. And you know, some partners of first responders don't have their people come home, and that's where we support each other as a community, um, just, you know, even with that recent ambulance officer that yeah. was stabbed. So, um, yeah, uh, the first responder community is very connected, and I imagine the, the FIFO families are very connected in their community as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one and not what we're sort of delving in today, but it's an interesting one. I've got um, family members who are in forces and it's funny because a lot of the time the partners create a community, but FIFO can be interesting that like my husband flies into Western Australia, so I'm not actually connected with a lot of other wives that all partners that he works with. So it can be relatively isolating community-wise for the partners. Um, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but it we, is. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But I think like when we are in the position where our partners are stepping out and stepping away, which is what you've been facing, that's why it makes it even more important that our safety, our home, is protected mm. because it's more than just the brick and mortar, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. can you tell us now that, um, is it safe to say retired or stepped away from firefighting? What's Because this doesn't I, seem like retirement. Well, I, I've stepped away. Um, so I, I work a day job at the moment. I work in the fire industry. So I now don't go to things on fire. I, I work with... Um, you know, fire extinguishers, emergency lights. So this is more the, the aspect of um, having the stuff before the fire happens. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's my career now. Um, never say never for a comeback, but at the moment I'm growing a beard to help yeah. consolidate. I can't put the mask and <laughs> you stuff. You got the mask on. I did, I did see that and think, oh, you mustn't, yeah. <laughs> Coming from think- um, working on mine sites, there is, um, I, I do understand the uh, mask and having to be clean shaven. Um, the listeners can't see that you've got a beard, but yes, Mike's got a beard. So that that makes Rachel happy that he's not. <laughs> the instant that you shave, Mike, she'll be like, no, you're going back. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, um, yeah, I definitely won't be going back with our consultation. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really interesting because I have insight from um, both sides. So 
Um, but I also have a background in um, biosecurity. So I was a first responder for biosecurity for the state government as well. So I've done hospitals, caps up trees, uh, people locking themselves out of the buildings and, um, you know, floods and fires. But I've also done biological emergencies and, um, you know, flooding. And so, yeah, I've, I've had a fair bit of experience um, of, you know, there's a bit of a joke with firefighters. They run in when everybody else runs out. Runs but, um, out. Yeah. In, in all honesty, I couldn't have done, um, so my career and what I do, I couldn't have done it without the support of Rachel and my children. Um, and I'm not Robinson Crusoe. And so um, probably for um, for your listeners, the thing that is most on my heart is resilience, um, is, is just knowing that um, sometimes things happen. Um, it's about um, just minimising that impact, the disturbance, um, you know, on your on what is your normal when, when your partners are away. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, so I mean, I, so basically what I want to, what we want to do is empower you to be the firefighter, the, the hero in your story. Not, um, there used to be a joke about a man who was standing in the paddock and the flood was coming and uh, a guy came by on a rowboat and he said, no, I'll be right. Um, God will look after me. And then the water rose and a guy came by on the tractor and said, no, it'll be right. God will look after me. And then it's up to his neck and a helicopter comes along and he's like, no, I'll be right. God will look after me. And then he drowns and when he goes to heaven, so what happened? And he said, well, I sent you the guy on the rowboat and I sent you the guy on the tractor. So um, what yeah. I want to just give you the confidence to know that there's, there's a lot of steps you can do that if you ever face that circumstance, flood, fire, cyclone, um, that you you have all the resources that you need to come up um, with a prior plan and to put that into action when you have to. You, I, I never want to hear that any of you are a victim because, yeah, um, yeah you, you have all power and resource um, at your fingertips to make good decisions and to minimise the impact. Yeah. yeah and I love... It's decreasing a little yeah, a level of risk, you know, because essentially we you could do our whole program on all, all the areas around in and around your home and your house could still have a fire. Do you mm. know what I mean? But you could you don't know what you can prevent because prevention you can't measure, you yeah. know. So that's what we're wanting to so, do. And, and Mike has gone, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. So if you could just tell us, obviously, um, Mike, you've got so many years of experience and Rachel, you now have basically created a something that you, you're both very passionate about in helping people, as you said, um, prepare, um, be in control when as much as you can. I respect that it's as much as you can because when you're dealing with bushfires or floods or whatever, you may still lose your home, but it's being prepared. And I also think um, from my own personal experience, when you do come against disasters, you don't want to be at ground zero with with no preparation. So you're having to think of everything. If you are, yeah. if you have a level of um, organisation and understanding of the disasters that may affect you in your area, then you it leaves mental space to be making other decisions that you have to on the fly. Um, as I was saying before, excuse me, before we started recording, I have lived up north and um, gone through several cyclones 
you don't want to be running around looking for the torch once the power's gone out. <laughs> you want to be like, I know where that is. If you choose to stay, that you you you've got all that around you and not having to be like, I haven't got a radio, I haven't got a torch, the power's gone out. I don't know if the eye of the storm's about to hit. You know, same with um fires and floods. You want to be prepared. And that's basically where you guys come in with your amazing program. Rachel, we were chatting before um, we started recording and I so want you to join uh, um, and mention that in for the listeners. So the information is out there, but it's kind of like everywhere and hard to pull together. So can you explain that to us, please? Yeah, Natalie, and, you know, you're absolutely right. All the information's out there. But, you know, if we actually thought now for your listeners to go, do I know how to prepare my home inside and outside and have an emergency kit, emergency plan ready? There's not one place that actually has those resources. And so you all know, and so listeners, you're Australia-wide, that um, outside of your home is usually recommendations come from the rural fire services or the CFS. Yeah. Um, inside yeah. your home is the uh, Fire Rescue New South Wales. So they're sort of saying have a, a fire blanket and get the lint out of your dryer, you know. And then you've Access got, then they've got your SES and they're, they're the ones that say to have an emergency kit, emergency plan. And so there are three different areas. And so what we've done is we've amalgamated the knowledge. So you, with us, we have three modules outside of your home. We deal with that. We've got move into your home. We have four modules inside. And then we do um, three modules around emergency preparedness. So that's your emergency kit, your emergency plan, and your contacts list. Then we, just the last two weeks of our course, we talk about events. We talk about fires, floods, storms. Um, and we've got a beautiful little infographic on that information. And then we've actually added your car as well. So, you know, to have some preparedness things in your car because you might need to go. And that's just, you know, having some water, extra bottles of water. Well, we've, we've found water in square carters. So it sits neatly under your car seat. You know, just a few things that um, make you don't, we don't want you ever to use them. But if you needed them and they're there, you know, so, um, so that's what we're doing. We've amalgamated that and we just take people through a quick 12-week program of family DIY. It's a weekend task every weekend and we take you through one area at a time and we get that job done together. So, um, yeah, so that's our course and we, we're just so passionate about preparing people, prevention. I, I've got a background as a registered nurse and, you know, a lot of people don't think things are going to happen to them until they do and we want to take people down this road. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it, actually it's funny that you mentioned nurse. I, I As you're talking, I have an experience of why I want to get across to people, why it is so important that they consider doing the course with you. When I was pregnant with my first child, I went to a, so I'd done first aid courses for work and things like that. But generally what they're doing is they're teaching you, you know, how to save somebody in the workplace and it's all on adults. Excuse me. And so I went and did this one day first aid course and it was purely designed for parents, aunties, uncles, grandparents on all the risks and how to deal with what um, might pop up for children. So like choking, um, toxins, you know, all those sorts of things focused on kids and doing it at the time, you hope you never have to use it. 
but yeah. my son not so much because he's very he's mm. he's quite particular so he don't never put anything in his mouth he never ate things he shouldn't my daughter's two and a half and I've saved her from choking twice <laughs> both times I was very calm I knew exactly what to do and I could take the action and that was because I did that first aid course so yeah. as soon as I, you know, something went wrong, I wasn't freaking out. What have I got to do? I knew what I had to do. I felt prepared and I could just take action. And you can yeah. see how by the time you've been through a disaster, it seems a little too late to do your course. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen again. Like I live in the Adelaide Hills. We have bushfires. So yeah. if we had a big bushfire um, or last two years, now, each one of those, if you've gone through it, you, it's still worth doing because yeah. I, I know people that have actually lost their properties and even then they each time can be slightly different and they don't have the wealth of knowledge that you have to really prepare for it. So I'm not saying if you've been through a natural disaster, don't do this course because it's probably even more of a reason too because you're in potentially a high-risk area. But yeah. obviously to do it now so that when and if you find yourself in that position you feel comfortable and confident and like saving my daughter from choking on a marble which don't even get me started how she got that <laughs> I could I could act confidently and calmly instead of feeling out of control even more so yeah. for FIFO partners when you're doing it on your own so you're being the emotional support you're having to make the major decisions um you know what to get what to take preparation the communication i that is one that, that touches home to me that i'd love to ask you about mike have you got oh, any tips around um getting the information in around disasters now i know that it, a lot of the um questions or a lot of answers you give are very broad and each region's yep. different each disaster is different so so with say bushfire and flood which are probably two of the big ones um, for a lot of people. How do you recommend people get the information? So ABC, what would you recommend? Like what forms would you recommend? <clears throat> Excuse so, me. So what I do, I, I'm probably hypervigilant and that's after years of being an emergency first responder. But um, I always, the first thing I do in the morning is I get up and I look at and see what the weather's doing today. But um, so I, I gather, um, so um, in um, not only the emergency services, but also in the Defence Force, they talk about shared situational awareness. And so that is basically knowing um, in the day of the, of, so where you can get your information, basically they're the factors that might influence your day. So the weather, um, if you're getting towards um, bushfire season, um, I, I have several apps on my phone, so there's like emergencies near me. Um, uh, I also have a scanning app, but here that's probably a bit, um, you know, a bit of a the firefighter, ex-firefighter. But I basically look at the news. Um, uh, you would have in South Australia and in every state, they would have a rating now, which has a new system. Um, so I would look at look at the rating, look at the weather. Um, yeah, the apps. So basically, um, you can get like feed, live feeds from like your Facebook and that. But I go to reputable people. So like Weather Zone, ABC, um, any of that real time information. But also from the the um, say the CFS, um, SES, 
um, those people too, um, they, they will give you that information. Um, I've seen in, you know, national disasters where um, it's on the media and they're even using your phones and texting people now into certain areas. And so there's um, Emergency Plus app, there's Five Near Me app, and we go through these in the course as Fantastic. well. But yeah. I recommend um, having an out-of-area contact that yeah. you choose and they have your emergency plan yeah. and they have all of your contact details so we we go through that with you as well uh, yeah. that's a fantastic one because actually and i was saying before we hit record we should have recorded we should have hit record as soon as we got on because we discussed so much before we started recording um i was saying that my dad um lives rural and his last fire my sister who's in Catherine in the northern territory me in the adelaide hills was actually calling my dad and giving him the information because he was actually fighting the fire and he could just get a quick update. So that's a fantastic tip. And as you said, you cover that in the course, which is brilliant. And even more of a reason why people need to do it. Um, excuse me. Sorry, I've got a bit of a cough. Um, I would love, and not to laugh at um, people's laugh at people's mistakes but I would love to hear some of the common mistakes people make whether it is in general whether it is around the house can you share some of those with us yeah sure well, I'll kick off so yeah. one of the most common uh, I'm uh I'm I'm not a good not a betting man but I would say a fair degree of the people in your group possibly have a, a fire blanket and an extinguisher and I bet that it lives under the sink in the kitchen or in the laundry or in the garage. Um, they're great places for them, but uh, they're not ideal. So quite often, uh, you know, um, someone will, the smoke alarm will go off um, and they'll go looking for the extinguisher or the blanket and they won't be able to find it rapidly. So um, that's one of the things, I, you know, I can't make fun of people, but um, yeah, if you've got the equipment, it's always best to have it in the right space um smoke alarms they're, they're one of those things too that they, they you they either um make help you to sleep well at night or they wake you up when they chirp and things <laughs> like that so um so yeah i've been to houses where people have knocked the smoke alarm off with the broom um and uh yeah and they attract insects and that so they're really good they've just got to be nurtured and looked after so yeah um, but we we said there's a whole range of things um you know uh, in the fire brigade, one of the most common things we would see um, is people run out of, out of the house, the smoke alarm would go off and the door would lock behind them or sometimes they'd run out and forget that they actually weren't wearing any clothes. And so um, there's four different this degrees. This is why you want to be prepared and not thinking on the fly, literally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you um, could so be caught out in the street in the nude. Yeah, well, we never take photos because that's not allowed in the fire brigade, but it's always a talking point when we get back to the station. Um, yeah, they, they can happen at any time. So, um, but, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's one story. We, we run a pilot of our course where we took a dozen people through our course, and there was one lady from Queensland on the course, and she, they, her, her and her husband had, a like, a fishing trawler boat. Anyway, a fire broke out underneath the fire extinguisher that was on the boat and then the when they got there the next day the fire extinguisher itself had exploded and peeled back like a banana and then put the fire out 
like and so she, she goes and gets this big metal thing with like was peeled back like a banana where the fire had heated up the extinguisher it blew up put out the fire they came back the next day and that's what was there and their boat was still there you know? I was gonna say well it's probably like right place right time if you're gonna have a fire make sure it's under the fire extinguisher that's that's exactly right you yeah know? so we're just <laughs> And then she pulls out the thing and we're like, oh, my goodness, that is such a, a crazy story. But, um, you know, it just goes to show. And, you know, the, the, we've got um, a, a great little ebook we want to give to your listeners. But we, the top thing that Mike recommends is the smoke detectors. And and that is um, probably across every um, service, you know, every emergency service recommendation is to have that working smoke alarm. And if, if that's all everyone does have, don't knock it off when it's been cheaping too much. Get people to come in and have a look at it if you're not able to look at it. But, um, yeah, that would be the number one. Yeah, but we've got the little um, e-book we want to give you is Mark's top three. Oh, I've, I've, I've had a sneak peek at that and I've already taken notes. And, Mike, I've taken note about the fire blanket and fire extinguisher because I think I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> Um, now, I know, sorry. You're, you're right. Um, so the blanket in particular, it works. Um, you'll see it's got little tabs on the bottom, little dangly bits. So the whole idea is uh, when, when you need it, say you're cooking with chips or something like that, the whole idea is when you pull the tabs, the jacket stays behind uh, and, then you, um, and then you use it that way. But when it's under the sink or in the garage, um hard to pull yeah the terror factor will go from like about a two to an eight um, yeah and I was just thinking by the time I find mine I think my little kitchen would be burnt down so after when we finish this I'm going to make sure that I know exactly where it is so that's and good and from my his mother-in-law my mum he gave her an extra fire blanket and what she she journals a lot so she's actually wrapped her journals in the fire blanket so if the house ever burns the fire blanket itself will protect those journals longer than the rest of the house so good son-in-law here brownie points for sure. good job he knows how to get in the good books <laughs> now, one other thing that I wanted to ask about you and I know that you have um addressed this in your course is obviously it's fantastic if mum and dad can start to get some knowledge, but it's also really important the next generation. I know you've got um, older kids that will eventually be moving out into their own places and will eventually have their own families and, you know, passing on that knowledge. Um, I know for some of my friends around the Adelaide Hills that went through um, the Cuddly Creek fires that were pretty horrendous, those kids are now quite aware um, and, yeah. and you know, unfortunately aware of how easy it can happen. But I think like a lot of kids, they get to live in a bubble if they don't experience these things. And so yeah. can you give us some tips? And I know that um, you've sort of created the um, course to get everybody involved, but can can you offer some tips about how you may be able to get the kids involved? So you start that learning process now, not when it's, when they're either out on their own and things go wrong or when they have to experience a disaster for themselves? Yeah, sure. So um, I don't know how many of your listeners would remember 9-11, but um, you, if you I saw the news there, it was just over and over, the plane flying into the building, plane flying into the building. And apparently it's traumatised a whole generation of people 
um, it's cured them from flying. Um, but yeah, that, that trauma is the same with fires and floods and storm events and things like that. So what we want to do is um, to some degree give the, give the experience and the plan and what to do without the um, negative consequences of trauma. And that's part of resilience. So um, in New South Wales, the Fire Brigade um, is very good at, they have these slogans. Uh, and the most common one they used to teach is get down low and go, go, go to children. So um, what we do through our course is we try and just, um, we, we encourage you to rehearse the practice. So there's no, um, you know, no flashing lights and yelling and things like that. It's just, um, it's just a calm practicing um, so it becomes a habit and and something that mm. is embraced. Um, it's interesting. Uh, you were sharing about your dad went through those fires and now he's become um, you know a little less prepared. But um, as a firefighter in my um, previous role, we would we would drill uh, four hours a month every second Monday night, and I did that for twenty five years. When you do it and you realise that the reason you're doing it is for when one day something may happen. Um, you, you, it becomes second nature. It doesn't become weird. Um, you know, we part of our course is when you have visitors to your house, if something happens in the night, how will they know to get from the guest bedroom to wherever your plan says that the um, assembly area is outside? So when you, you know, it might sound a bit wacky. You might think I'm over uh, protective, but when you have guests and people are unfamiliar with your house, um, if you have risks of flooding, storms, and fires. Is just saying, hey, look, um, you know, it's good to have you here. If anything does happen in the night or, or you hear the smoke alarm, the place that we will be meeting is your mailbox across the road. So it's really, it's, so it shouldn't be stressful or, or traumatic. Mm. Um, it, it's just a calm, um, you know, just a calm education and, and the planning. I think, you know, um, the practising your fire escape plan is actually paramount to do with your children every six months and with your pets as well you know and because you've got to get them out and you know you think oh well we'll just do it once well the point of rehearsing it is is because it's not the job of the mother to grab all of the children and the animals and get out the door yeah. it's the job of the mother to get to the mailbox herself and so your two and six-year-old Natalie have to practice that to get out by themselves. And see, people don't realise, oh, we don't need to practice. You know, it's all, I'll just grab the kids and the dog and out we go. You've got 30 seconds. And so if your children know, get down low, go, 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 and they go outside and you get out there and they beat you to the mailbox because you practice that. And, you know, we, we talk about pets as well and, you know, to give your pets their treats in the pet carrier so whenever you want to treat your pets you give them the treat in the pet carrier and so that when if any time you need to evacuate quickly even if it's like a local event like a flood and you need to get out of your home you've got a bit of time pop the treat into the pet carrier close the door out you go you know so we talk about things we, we talk about backpacks that your big larger dogs for example will carry their own food and water in their backpack that goes on them so you don't have to carry that into evacuation centers and things like that because in evacuation centers what actually happens is there's portions of food to adults and things and 
adults are giving half of their food to their animals because they don't have food or water for their animals. But if you have a backpack ready for your dog that's large enough to carry that backpack, you clip it on, you take it there, and that dog has its three days' worth of food and water there. And then the food that's for the for humans doesn't have to be shared to the animal and to the animals. So this yeah, is there's so a lot fantastic. You don't think yeah, about. I was going to say this is so fantastic because, like, obviously this is not even a, a scratch of the surface of of what the course offers and I'm like oh, I need to write down that I need to write down that because these are all really fantastic things and <clears throat> excuse me and it, even in the town but especially in the country people sometimes choose not to leave because yeah. they can't get their distressed animals in the car and what have you um yeah two things I wanted to mention from what Mike said before and it'll be interesting because you might tell me I've done the wrong thing but Funnily enough, and it was before I heard about your amazing business, but I had said the kitchen in my house is between my bedroom and the kids' bedroom. Yeah. So, and I could be wrong, but in my mind, it was like, if there's a fire somewhere, it's probably more likely to be in the kitchen. I could be wrong. Um, And I was like, well, if the fire's in the kitchen, it wouldn't be safe for the kids to get out. So I had actually spoken to my son about smashing the window of his bedroom to get out. And I sort of mentioned before, my son's quite a um, particular, he, it took me ages to tell him it is okay. Like, I would rather yeah. you be alive. He's like, I can't smash the window. And I'm like, I'm not just talking about you want to go out the front to smash the window. I'm talking life or death, you're going to have yeah. to smash the window because I may not be able to get to you. So it's, it's, it's yeah. that sort of thing that, you know, my son, maybe if I hadn't had that conversation, have gone, yeah. I can't get out. Whereas yeah. now he knows and he's younger. Um, so anyone that doesn't know the age of my son, he's six. So maybe if he was 18, he wouldn't question it. But a six-year-old's like, I can't possibly smash a window. Yeah. And yeah, so that's an interesting thing that having those conversations before will then give the kids the permission or the understanding of how to to get out of the situation. Another thing that Mike said about when your guests come to say to stay. On mine sites, you can be in different rooms. Some mine sites, you're in the same room each time you fly in. Other mine sites, you're in a different one each time. So each time you come in, your emergency exits and, and gathering points is in a different place. And on the back of every door is yep. the map of the site. So yep. maybe everybody could print one off on the back of your guest room and there you go, that this is oh, where yeah. you go. You do that in the course. Yeah. Well, so, there you go. There you go. <laughs> You've yeah. thought of everything. Yeah. Uh, well, it's what's important because obviously that's um, important for your husband yeah. and anybody not familiar with the place. Yeah. Um, so that not that we put that for your guests and everything like that, but, you know, two, you want two egresses out of every room, you know. So if one's blocked, you've got another. And one's a door and a window. And so exactly, exactly what you told your son, you know, because if that fire's at the door, he will break that window. because Yeah, he well, he will be... now. I think, honestly, before he would have sat and waited yeah. and gone, I can't possibly break the window. Yeah, and, you know, as you've mentioned about it, we've actually built each course that has a module and there's a book booklet in there and we include a store stories we include a checklist you just tick it off as you do it we also include a job card so if you check in checking the list and then you go oh well I need to do that you just write it onto your job card and then that's easy as well and then we've actually included a coloring in for the kids 
And you know, the first one is um, our first module is house numbers. We want we want emergency service to be able to find you. So we want numbers on either side of the mailbox. The one on the front, that's for the postie. The one on the side, but for the emergency services coming from a long way away, you know. And we actually have on the colouring in firefighter mic, colouring in or firefighter mic, pointing to the mailbox and saying, this is your emergency assembly area. You know, so your child's colouring in because and every module has a colouring in with it and a message for the kids in it, you know. And in the pilot course, it was so funny because we didn't have, we, we actually asked our pilot course to be for women that lived alone. And they coloured in while Mike was talking to them. They were colouring in and everything. It was really that's, quite a That's mind. the mindfulness that we're aware of these oh. days, that colouring is good for adults as well. And the yeah. thing so is, I think in some ways kids are better at it because they do the um, this at school and they have a lot of that, that they actually can be the advocate and drag the parents along. Um, yeah. And especially the fact that you've got that as for everybody in the family is so fantastic because it might be, you know, all sorts of emergencies and especially older kids, sometimes they're home on their own. Yeah. Well, um, this has been absolutely amazing and I could talk to you for hours, but can you um, please tell, obviously we've touched on the course and I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. I'm going to put a link in there for um, the three-step, um, uh, yeah. what did you call Stop. it? The Mike's top three top, things. Top Mike's top three things, which I think that we can all tell just from this little chat that you've got such a wealth of knowledge. And if you are even slightly considering but a little bit hesitant, jump on and um, grab those top three um, tips so that you can just get a glimpse of how amazing this course is. But the other thing is, is sometimes we tend to spell, spend money on clothes and our hair or our fall drives or our camping gear or all those wonderful things. But what really matters, like our family, our pets, our personal things in the house, this course can be the difference between losing them or not losing them. So, yeah. you know, your four-wheel drive or whatever's precious to you, this keeps those things safe as much as you can because we understand you only have a certain amount of control, but you invest in, and I know that I sound like I'm selling this course, but I've just had my own fair share of experiences in emergencies and this type of course just makes it so accessible and so much easier for people to be prepared so they don't have to lose the things that are important to them. So I will stop selling it. I will put all the links in the no. show notes yeah. <laughs> so people can um, check it out for themselves. After. So that's what I was going to ask. Do you run this live or do you only have intake for this course? How do you guys run yeah. that if people want to get well, on board? It, um, we... We at the moment you get the success coach, Rachel Baby, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually work with you with half hour zooms a week. So one on one. Yeah. So people can jump in at any time. It's not like it's only you only allow people into the course every couple of months. Yeah. If somebody wants yeah. to do it now, they can jump on in. Yeah, and we pick a time 
Um, oh, and, you know, it's after hours because Mark is a commercial fire inspector by day. And um, so if he if we pick in like a sort of a late evening time, um, he might be there to deliver the course. But I'm, I'm the one that um, ensures the success for you, taking you through the module. And, you know, you, you probably won't even need half an hour with me because it's just explaining the checklist. We have recorded the full series. So once we get our website up supporting that, there'll be um, Mike doing all of the trainings as pre-recorded. So but you can watch don't sell yourself short. You clearly have a hell of a lot of knowledge. And this beautiful course <laughs> is obviously put together with both of your knowledge. So, um Honestly, I think that what you guys are creating is going to make a difference in people's lives. And I think sometimes, like Mike, your experience, you don't always know when somebody gets to use it, but I suppose that doesn't take away the passion of you've seen it when it goes pear-shaped, really. I've seen it it from both ends, from the preparedness to the poo end of things. Um, But, uh, yeah, so really... um, what a you know for me it's it's a personal thing I, I want people to know that um that you have control over the outcome and I, I don't want people to suffer trauma and loss I want people to acknowledge that there's risks in everything but um you know that you and but you can be as prepared as you can be knowing the risks and for us um it's it's tailoring it so we, we're not speaking to you like school teachers saying do this do this do this um, we want you to look at your environment around you, look at your family dynamic and what resources you have and things. Um, and and for you, to, for, we will partner with you with your plan and how, and this, we're partnering you with the success um, in that. And and that that just makes us feel good knowing that um yeah that we change, you know we can change the outcome with you as well. And, you know, so it's we have not a, a cookie cutter program. then. It's really each individual oh. can create what's right for them in their environment. Absolutely. That's really good. It's not you just fit into the cookie cutter shape. This is really about you coming up with a plan with you knowing what your resources are, what, um, you know, it, yeah, it really is. It's a choose your own adventure. Maybe that's an old thing. There used to be books at school. But um, really we partner with you. Um, to yeah, come up with the solution that is tailored to, you know, yeah. what you need. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I'll put everything in the show notes so people can connect and explore it a little bit further. Thank you for sharing some of your knowledge with us. And that honestly, even I've got some notes that I'm going to go away with as it is. Um, But I'm definitely going to jump in on one of um, your courses. Um, Any last words? I mean, I think you covered it really well, Mike, as in you just want to get people prepared so that when and if it does happen, they're not, you know, uneducated. But is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up today? Well, our tagline for our business is that your peace of mind is our peace of mind. And, you know, that's the gift that we want to give. And trauma can go on for generations. And so if you're even a step ahead and you've got the torch in your hand when it's all going down, your neighbour doesn't, then you're more in control of that. So I would just say that, you know, that's what we're wanting to help help people do and walk alongside of them and just get that job done because we all know it has to be done. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing is too, um, is we all have influence uh, in our spheres, in our workplace, in our home, in our community. And what I want is um, when when uh, you do the course and you're prepared yourself, 
and you um we ask that you help others prepare as well yeah. because yeah. there's vulnerable people we've just spent several years in COVID locked in a house watching Netflix and finding all the hidden chocolates and things um but uh, yeah, let, let us back out um yeah, yeah we can so we don't keep it to ourselves we we try and then once you have the confidence and a plan and you are assured and you can share the love with the other yeah. people that you know that are important and valuable to you as well yeah awesome thank you so much i really appreciate your time because that's our pleasure thanks very much Natalie.